Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors. And we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, Sports graphics made incredibly simple. And Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast, this time featuring the FIAAA Insider. Our guest today is a good friend, Lyle Livingood. Lyle is a certified athletic administrator, and he's the director of athletics at Westport High School in Ocala, Florida. Lyle, welcome to the program. Jake, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while, so uh, this should be fun. Well, uh, I know you do great stuff down there, and we want to let you uh, share some of those ideas with our listeners. We always like to let our uh, listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college, and uh, how that love of sports, you know, led to a, a career in athletics. Sure, happy to do so. Grew up in Gainesville, uh, went to PK Young, uh, was lucky enough to play football, basketball, and baseball there. And uh, oh, wow. we had a, an unbelievable amount of success. At, at one point, there were for a school that size, my graduating class is 72. Uh, my junior year, we had five guys on our football team that would end up in the NFL. We uh, were pretty good. Uh, my senior year won the state championship in basketball. Uh, and the team that we were probably most talented, my most talented sport was baseball. Uh, the way that goes, you, you run into a hot pitcher. Uh, and back then it was single elimination. And uh, I gave up a two-run home run, and, and we only scored one. So we were the number two ranked team, stayed out in the first uh, round of the district. So that still hurts. But uh, uh, I went from there and, and went to Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, to play baseball. Um, really, you know, I, I, liked it, I liked it up there. But like so many kids, uh, especially growing up in a college town, all you want to do is leave, and as soon as you leave, all you want to do is come back. Uh, and uh, that fall ball season for baseball, uh, I accomplished two of my three goals. Uh, just, just to start all four years, and uh, in fall ball, I was a freshman pitcher. Uh, one of my goals was get a win against FSU. <laughs> and even though it was fall ball, I did. And uh, the last uh, goal was, you know, to start all four years. And at that point, I decided – you know, I really wasn't going to wait around another three years to <laughs> accomplish that goal. So I came right back, uh, tried to walk on for football with Coach Spurrier in, in Florida, and 
made it out there for a couple days and and I just wasn't good enough. So at that point, uh, 19, 20 years old, your athletic career is over. And luckily, uh, my high school basketball coach said, hey, need some help. And uh, I was I was going to be Gordon Gecko. I was going to uh, get my MBA and, and go to Wall Street and all that. And all of a sudden, after a year coaching uh, high school basketball, I decided I wanted to teach. And that was the role I wanted to follow. And from uh, and I coached to PK for about four years. And I was lucky enough to get an assistant job at Valdez State. Coached at Valdez State for Coach Domini for a uh, two and a half years and then even luckier to get the top assistant job at Florida Southern, uh, which was someplace I always really wanted to be. And uh, we had some incredible success when I was there. Uh, at that point, you know, life kind of takes over. Uh, uh, met an incredible girl, got married, and uh, just figured that, you know, the college coaching basketball life really wasn't for me. Uh, went to go work uh, in the private sector, and uh, it took me about six months before I started looking for high school basketball jobs. I really missed it that much. So uh, I've been here at Westport for 19 years now. Uh, it's been incredibly good for me. Uh, the, it, the faculty, uh, the kids, it's a unique group, but I, I really like our kids here. A uh, very eclectic group where we're uh, uh 34% Latino, 33% uh, Caucasian, 27% African-American. So it's quite the mix. It's not your typical school. Uh, and when I first got here 19 years ago, there was 960 kids. Now we're up to 2,700. So I've really seen this place uh, expand uh, six years ago. As you know, AD jobs don't really, not like a college or a coaching job where you know, if you got a football opening, you'll advertise it nationally. Uh, I haven't found out about athletic director jobs or athletic administrators. They're, they're usually internally promoted. You want somebody who understands your culture, someone who understands what uh, what your school and your principal wants. And uh, R.E.D., uh, Ravi Lindemann, uh, took a job at the FHSAA and it was available. Uh, it wasn't that great of a job then. Had to teach a full load. Uh, it, your your supplement was 2,500, and it was just kind of, you know, it needs to be done. Uh, I'll do it. And and then Coach McPadden, the county AD, his last thing he was able to do was get us out of the classroom, and it's really made a difference. We uh, the job can be done correctly now. Uh, you know, you're not just uh, always uh, just on the edge of your pants, just trying to make sure things get done. Now it's it's a full-time position and, and it's really, uh, the whole county has evolved in a good way that way. These, I, I always love hearing the stories and the path uh, that people take. Uh, you know, we're for you, we are a few years apart, but kind of a similar path. Uh, you know, I always make the joke, uh, you know, injuries and lack of talent kept me out of the NFL, uh, but, uh, spoke uh, uh you spoke about your college days really loved uh coaching college didn't enjoy the recruiting part you know it really gets in the way of families so i uh, appreciate you sharing that talk a little bit about uh that transition from you know the coaching role to athletic administration um i'm sure you know having been around you had seen 
you know, some excellent programs and some excellent uh, ways to run a program. So I'm curious, uh, what were some things that when you first took on the role as AD that uh, you said, you know, hey, I think we do a real good job of this, but I think we can actually do better. Um, you know, tell us about that transition. Absolutely. The first year I took over, uh, I actually took over the second week of school. Uh, uh, school had already started, which, you know, I thought would be a negative, but it's actually a real blessing in disguise because Robbie had done most of the work that you need to do for fall athletics. Uh, and anybody who's an athletic administrator knows that those first three weeks uh, are an absolute grind trying to get everything done. But I was still also the, uh, the head basketball coach. And the first couple of years, it really, I, I still saw myself as a coach, not necessarily, in a, I was a coach who was the AD. And it took about a year and a half. And then I really kind of, you know, the, the perception really changed for me is that, you know, uh, while I am the coach, I'm, I'm the athletic director first now. And that transition came about because I learned more about the job. Um, uh, I was given more opportunities to do the job properly. Uh, there were so many things that uh, we were just sliding by by the skin of our teeth, just making sure that kids had their physicals, kids had uh, kids had their birth certificates, and we were following FHSA protocol. But we certainly were not fundraising. We weren't building an athletic program. We uh, there was no real capital improvement going on. And there was no one in that role. Uh, and I, that's the role of an athletic administrator, in, in my opinion. Uh, uh, you know, we let our coaches coach. We let our coaches uh, put together a game plan. Uh, as the athletic administrator, it's my job to give them the best opportunity to, to be successful. And whether that be facilities, whether that be helping them build their staff, whether that be an earpiece for them, uh, those things weren't really taking place in the first year or two, uh, when I was here and, and I started to discover that and I started to understand what my real role was. And when I did see that, uh, it, the idea of athletic administration really, really started to appeal to me even more. Uh, not only are you, uh, I've heard the phrase many times, be, be your athletic department's head coach, uh, and that I wasn't really doing that. And then I started to evolve in that role. And uh, that's when I really started every day coming to work with an idea of how can we improve? How can I uh, help not only our coaches, but our athletes? In uh, uh, what way can uh, we really build? Uh, and it's not so much about wins and losses for me. It's about experiences and, and give these kids and our families around here the best experiences we can. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that perspective. I, I would put myself in that same category as a head football coach. Uh, I was also the AD, and it took me a while to, to figure out uh, that, hey, I was the AD. Sure. It was also the head football coach. Lyle, <laughs> um, you touched on it a little bit uh, earlier, but uh, in our business, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentoring. And I'm curious, you know, who are some of your mentors, either – you know, coaches or teachers that you had growing up or, you know, maybe people that you've worked with or worked for. Sure. Uh, the expression I like to use is uh, 
Uh, I still hear those voices in my head when I'm talking to a coach or a kid, you know, whose voice do you still hear? I, uh, I was lucky. I, I had a wide range of coaches uh, growing up in the late in the eighties and the early nineties is still, you still had some old school guys. And, uh, and even then, even back that far, you still had some different kinds of voices, uh, which were not nearly as old school, uh, 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 played football for John Clifford, who's won over 400 games. Uh, uh, my high school basketball coach, Randall Leaf, uh, of course, we won the state title. He was as mean as a son of a gun as you'd ever want to meet in your life. And then as soon as your uh, eligibility was up, couldn't be any better guy. Um, but, uh, but the person who I really hear in the back of my head all the time is Mike Lucas. And he was, he was the assistant coach when I played and then took over as head coach PK. Uh, Luke uh, was the closest thing to a mentor I've had. He truly made me, uh, as a brash 21-year-old kid, you know, all you want to do is yell and scream at kids. And he really was the first person who helped me understand that uh, that's not necessarily the best way to go about things all the time. Uh, there's different ways to handle every different situation. Uh, uh, he truly, you know, you know, walked softly and carried a big stick. And, and he did not have to, uh, he did not have to raise his voice, get his point across. He didn't have to scream and yell. Uh, and more than that, he taught me a lot of life lessons of how you can, it, it's important to understand how, everyone fits into your life like it does a basketball program or any type of program and truly one part's no bigger than the other uh I, and luke uh was genuinely one of the nicest men i've ever met uh he's got a heart for kids uh, he's gone on to be a principal at uh wilson high school view holtz high school now he's opened his own company where he helps kids with you know, college essays, recruiting, all those things. He, he's just got such a great background and just his personality and the way he looks at the world is something I really hold on to today. I appreciate you sharing. Again, it's always so cool to hear about uh, the people that helped us get where we are. It's a great reminder that, you know, we didn't do this by ourselves. It was pretty neat too. My last year coaching basketball two years ago, Luke's still up in uh, Gainesville and all of a sudden, we have a, a game over Christmas break. I looked in the stands. There's Luke, you know, with his 13-year-old son checking out the wolf pack. So uh, that was really just out of nowhere. There he is in the stands. <laughs> Luckily, we had a nice game and won. I wouldn't want to hear it if we didn't play well. <laughs> it was great. That, that's the kind of guy Mike is. Oh, that's very cool. Um, Lyle, you and I've gotten to know each other the last few years, you know, uh, FIAAA and FICA, you know, you're currently on our board of directors. Um, I think it's important to, uh, for our younger athletic directors to kind of hear about that process. So just share a little bit about uh, how you got involved uh, with FIAAA and then, you know, your process uh, actually for going through and attaining uh, your own CAA. Sure. Um, I, uh, because I have such a familiar relationship with so many people at FHSA, you know, Robbie was here uh, at Westport. Uh, Frank Beasley was at Donnellan here in Marion County. 
course, Craig Damon, and uh, of course, Mr. Tommen. I, I really started uh, through conversations with them, understanding things like policy and understanding how, I, I don't know how many people or athletic administrators actually understand the process of how things get done uh, as far as policies in the FHSA, the appeals process. There's this giant engine that I think a lot of people don't know much about or, or how that engine works. And through those conversations and being on things like the basketball advisory committee, uh, also being on the plaque committee, you start to have conversations and you want to, for me at least, I wanted to be more and more involved with policy. Uh, to me, that's one of my favorite thing, things to do. Uh, uh, and just an extension of that is the FIAAA. It, it's, it's, it's a three-wing, it's a three-prong wheel. You got FIAAA, FHSA, and FACA. And for me, I wanted to be a part of all three. And because I, in my opinion, they're all equally important. So uh, luckily, uh, I was able to uh, get the District 6 spot. Uh, and I've been a member now for three years. Um, I have been uh, a part of several committees at the FHSAA and uh, through a coaching capacity and also through the FLAC committee uh, and now an FACA uh, district representative. So through all three of those things, you start to understand you know, not where power is, but how things actually happen. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a process. And understanding that process, uh, I think is incredibly important. Uh, so many times I think people get blindsided by, uh, wow, where did that come from? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Well, these things have been debated. They've been talked about. They've been discussed for months. And uh, lots of people aren't part of that process. And I certainly wanted to be, for sure. No, I really appreciate you sharing that uh, and, and not to oversimplify, but you're absolutely right. Uh, um, you know, each sport has their coaches advisory committee. They make recommendations. Those come before the athletic director advisory committee and they're sometimes they're discussed, sometimes they're approved, sometimes they're sent back to the coaches for some fine tuning. And then those decisions get sent on, you know, to the board for approval or not approval. So uh, it is very much a process. Um, Let's go ahead and jump right into uh, COVID. Um, you know, obviously, it's had an impact uh, across the country. And as we've done these interviews, it's been interesting to hear the, the various responses from state to state. Some states, you know, it's full speed ahead. They haven't changed really a thing. Uh, others have completely canceled sports. Uh, some have moved seasons around, football going to the spring and baseball in the fall. And in our state of Florida, you know, we delayed for a month. And then we started back up, but we saw some individual variety there. So uh, to our listeners, we're recording this uh, right at the end of October. Uh, so right now, uh, Lyle, share what's happening in Ocala, Westport, uh, with regards to return to school as well as return to play. Sure. Um, uh, I, first of all, I, I don't know that anybody had a good answer. I think some answers have just worked out better than others. Um, we were all in the same boat, uh, 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 real fear uh, and real liability issues 
going on across the country that people had to think about. Uh, one thing that our county, Marion County, there's seven public high schools and uh, we do a pretty good job of, of sticking together. And one of the things that, that I communicated and I think we all believed was there's not a whole lot we can control outside of our county. Uh, uh, there's enough of us. Uh, we have a good enough relationship. We're all under the same umbrella. We'll all fall under the same rules. Uh, it, it makes sense to us that let's stay together for the fall, uh, not leave the county. Uh, we can organize a schedule that best suits us, that best suits uh, our student athletes, um, uh, not traveling outside the county, whether they have high uh, rates of infection or low rates, or if we had high, we were all together. And it worked out fairly well, it really did. Uh, all, each team is playing uh, seven total nights of football. If you include our preseason game, uh, everybody played 12 volleyball games and everybody made it to the playoffs and we still have two teams in the playoffs uh, for volleyball. It, it has gone remarkably well. And I think one of the reasons is we were kind of selfish and we said, we're gonna make our own bubble. Uh, as, as much as we can, and it's worked out really well. Uh, our school board, and that's another thing too that I'd like to talk about, is you've got people all over the state who, who still don't understand process, who uh, uh, you would hear from coaches, hey, we're still coming to you for football. Are you sure about that? What does your school board say? Uh, these for public schools, and they don't understand that or they didn't understand, well, your principal can say whatever they want, and so can your athletic administrator. That decision is gonna come from your superintendent who's going to propose something to that school board. And in many cases, I, I don't know how many people understood that process. Uh, that decision's not made at the school level unless you're at a private school. If you're at a public school, that decision's going to be made at the district level. Uh, so we were lucky enough that our district did approve us having that bubble. Uh, uh, we just made another presentation for, for winter sports, which uh, have just started. Uh, soccer started last week, girls basketball this week, two weeks ago. Uh, we started weightlifting and competitive cheer. And our school board has now allowed us to play a normal outside of the, the county schedule. Um, with some caveats, uh, no overnight travel, things of that nature, uh, still not allowing um, uh, uh, non-district employees to transport kids other than their own. So we don't have parents. Uh, they can't you know, sign up to, uh, to transport students, which will be difficult uh, for things like freshman basketball, where the game starts at 4.30 and you get out at 3.30, uh, how are we going to get those kids uh, across town for that 4 to 30 game? So those are some of the challenges we're working on. But as far as uh, being able to play a, a reasonably normal schedule, uh, that's where we're at right now. Of course, anything can, anything can change at the drop of a dime. But it, it is uh, we're making some progress down here, and, and uh, it, it's, it's opening up, which has been great. Uh, again, you make a very good point about you got to do what's right for your 
school, your district, your kids. Um, how has uh, the game management aspect gone for your home games? You know, we hear about challenges with some schools, not necessarily in Florida, but across the country of, uh, you know, resistance to masking and kids uh, clumping together. Uh, you know, how's it gone from your perspective for your home events? Well, we, uh, what we've done uh, for our fall events is uh, we've done ticket vouchers for, for our games. Uh, of course, it's a it's another county, you know, our our district opponent. So each student athlete gets four vouchers, and they can give those vouchers to whoever they want. Hopefully, their parents, and that voucher will allow you to uh, the opportunity to purchase a ticket. That is how we've kept numbers down. So for volleyball game, you know, you've got thirty girls basically on a team. Uh, so that's 120 vouchers. So you got 240 between both teams. That's keeping us below that, where we were trying to see about below 40% threshold for our gyms. And hopefully people will social distance. Same thing for football, uh, both teams, four vouchers for the players, cheerleaders and home band, which would keep us with our facilities, would keep us right about 40%, which is what we were, what we were aiming for. As far as sidelines and things we can control uh, that we're directly responsible for our cheerleaders, our band, we haven't had really very much problem at all. Uh, uh, our trainers and uh, have done an excellent job of coming up with how do we deliver water safely to these players? How, how are we social distancing them uh, on the sidelines? Uh, we've all, we've even gone to the point where our sideline boxes are not from 25 to 25. They're from the 10 to the 10 now. Uh, anything we can that we can control that we have direct supervision of, uh, it's gone incredibly well. We, uh, as far as the stands, it's been a challenge for sure. Uh, uh, we have made the determination that we are not going to go up in the stands and police every person. Uh, uh, we don't have the staff to do that, nor the time to do it. If we're doing things like that, we're not covering the areas we need to cover for our events. Uh, police, uh, our police presence as, is also there to do a job, and that's not it, is to tell people, hey, you got to wear a mask. Um, we make several announcements during a game. Uh, we remind people as they come in, and if they do not have a mask, we provide them a mask. Uh, but as, once they're in the facility, uh, it, it's really been difficult for us to, to enforce that. Uh, but we remind people, uh, we're not walking up and saying, you've got to put your mask on or you got to leave. But uh, it's been a challenge for sure. Um, another question, and I'm not trying to uh, uh, surprise you with this one. Uh, in Florida this year, um, the officials were scheduled to uh, go under a new, uh, you know, pay system. And obviously, gate receipts are down uh, from what they would normally be. Um, has that, uh, have you noticed an impact uh, at this point as far as, you know, uh, less income and um, unable to do some of the things that you would normally do for your athletic department? Uh, it's, it's been pretty interesting for us. Uh, and this, 
every and for those of you outside the state of Florida, every district is every county is incredibly different uh, as far as funding, how how they go about uh, their business and their business model. Uh, within we have about three counties touching our county, uh, and each of those counties will. Each athletic department will get anywhere from thirty to sixty-five thousand dollars a year for their budget. Marion County does not provide any funds to the athletic departments of any of our seven public schools. So any type of fundraising, uh, any type of budget has to be made through ticket sales, has to be made through fundraising. There is no internal account or any internal money coming from our district until this year. Uh, we, uh, they, they recognize it, uh, our county athletic director, Jody Phillips, who former president of the FIAAA made a proposal and said, Hey, this is what's happening. And we're not going to make it past October. Uh, if, if what we're seeing is going to happen. So for the first time in 20 years, I've been in Marion County. Uh, the district has provided us with some funding. Uh, they have provided us with, uh, we had come up with our budget, what it would cost for officials, what transportation would cost, uh, even reconditioning of, of equipment for football, uh, turned that in and uh, they've covered it. So uh, it, it has been a huge sigh of relief that they have done that for us uh, because Honestly, we wouldn't we wouldn't make it through the winter uh, sports season uh, the way the ticket sales are going. The other thing that our county is doing, uh, and, and we did this based on the fact that not all facilities are created equal. Forty uh, percent at Vanguard High School's football stadium uh, is about fifteen hundred people. Forty percent at Lake Weir Stadium is about 900 people. So to not give Vanguard uh, an advantage or Lake Weir disadvantage, we're splitting all the gates. So uh, uh, after costs, you know, you get a half and whether you're home and away and that way we're able to maintain some sort of uh, equitable share among all of us and it doesn't really uh, affect your your uh, facility size and we're all still on the same page. That is so cool. Uh, I had not heard that. I'll have to uh, give Jody a call and, uh, you know, give him a big thank you. Uh, have you heard of, again, don't want to belabor this, but have you heard about any of the other neighboring counties doing something similar? As far as the district uh, giving them money or splitting yeah, gates? Uh -huh. Splitting gates? Uh, well, e either one. I was talking mostly about the district providing, um, you know, supplemental budget, but uh, and, and certainly um, it, he uh, he really did a nice job on it. He really did, um, uh, especially for something that has not been done in the past. Uh, to to plead our case, plead our case, literally, that uh, uh, athletics is not going to survive. Uh, in this world with our standard operating procedure and uh, uh, through his efforts and, uh, uh, you know, our superintendent 100% uh, backing it. 
we were able to get that funding, which would not have happened without Jody's leadership. So he's done a really good job with that. Oh, gosh. Well, let's hope that that continues to be a uh, oh, we've got our just a best problem. practice, but a standard practice as we move forward. Yeah. That would, uh, I'm sorry, we're in the middle of class change. Uh, we, uh, that would be something that uh, uh, we've got our fingers crossed, but I don't know if it's going to continue. Let's go ahead and, uh, and lighten it up a little bit. I've been asking the athletic directors, you know, what's your favorite part of the job? And invariably, they answer, it's the kids. And it, it should be. You know, those relationships that you're able to build, even as an AD, are very important. But beyond that, beyond the kids, uh, what are some of your uh, favorite things about being the athletic director at Westport? What gets you excited about coming to school each day? Just, just well, my favorite thing to do is sectional appeals. I love sectional appeals. You learn so much. Uh, uh, and for those who don't know what sectional appeals are, is uh, we meet once a month, and it's a board of seven uh, uh, private and public school athletic administrators, usually a lawyer or a judge, and uh, usually a school board member. And each school has, in, in the state of Florida, has the opportunity to appeal a ruling by the FHSA. Uh, the one we get the most typically is, uh, is the age out uh, appeal where a student will turn 19 before September 1st. Uh, often some, some student was held back because of the FCAT in third grade and their birthday is August 29th and they turn 19 two days before the deadline and now they're ineligible. So we get a lot of those, but we also get some interesting ones, uh, uh, you know, fifth year situations. Uh, uh, some, you learn so much about rules, why rules are in place. Uh, and, but the other thing that happens so often too is, is that, a majority of these appeals are approved. Uh, uh, typically, uh, through a, a student has an IEP, any kind of real uh, problems at home or, or some real terrible things that have happened to them. And then to see that, that student, that parent, that whole group, uh, just the relief off their shoulder and, and, and just the joy that comes to their, to their heart and, and to have their kid be able to play one last year, things like that, uh, is really been unique and fun. I, I, I enjoy that part of it. But uh, as far as coming to school every day, I haven't come to work yet. I I, I go to school or I go to school. I, I, I don't think I've ever called it work once in my life. Uh, I'm still lucky enough. Uh, I still coach a couple things. Uh, I, I'll get out there and coach the golf team and, and I'll coach the tennis team and, and working with those kids is great, but I love coaches too. Uh, coaches are fun. Um, uh, it, I get a kick out of the young guys and I get a kick of the, of the older guys like myself or even older who, you know, uh, the one thing I promised I'd never say is kids have changed. I promised myself I'd never say that 23, 24 years ago. And I still haven't said it. Parents have changed, but kids have not. Uh, but I, I really like the camaraderie, the locker room, all those things of, of athletics. It, it makes it fun. 
I couldn't agree more. Uh, I love to tell the story. I'm sure my dad didn't invent it, but uh, I remember him telling me when I was in junior high, I was probably griping about something. And uh, he said, you know, the secret to uh, being happy is finding something that you love to do and convincing somebody else to pay you to do that. And yes. He had that. And I know that you and I have that, you know, with our jobs. So I made a little bit more, but who doesn't? I mean, uh, Bill Gates probably wishes he makes a little bit more. But no, yeah. I, I, I couldn't I wouldn't trade what I'm doing for almost anything. I really enjoy it. Absolutely. OK, well, Lyle, it's always great catching up with you, but uh, we're not quite done. Uh, we okay. always like to wrap up with what we call the new athletic director's toolbox. Now, you are certainly a, a veteran AD, but right now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What sure. three items are going to go in Lyle's new athletic director toolbox? Uh, the first one I, I believe would, would be internal and it, it's, it's your approach to it. Uh, it. It just be, no one's good at anything till they're good at it. Nothing's, everything's hard till it becomes easy. Uh, it, it's, it is going to be overwhelming, but at, at that point, don't be overwhelmed. There are, there's, there's lots of different ways uh, through the FIAAA, FHSA. If you ask, this community is going to help and, and they don't even have to be a member of a athletic or something like the FIAAA or the FACA. Athletic administrators, even people on your campus, uh, uh, this culture of education, educational athletics is a culture that embraces teaching people things and helping and, and going out of their way. Uh, so that would be my first tool that I would give to someone is don't become overwhelmed. Uh, it, it's it's going to be hard. Know that you're not alone. You're truly not. Uh, the second tool, and, and hopefully they have it already, would be organization. Uh, <laughs> you've got to, uh, you've got to truly understand uh, that there are timelines, there are, there are lines in the sand that have to be met. Uh, you've got uh, a million different things coming at you at once. It's, it's kind of like hurry up and wait till all the physicals come in and all the paperwork comes in. Uh, but, and you can only prepare so much for it, but be as prepared as you can for each, each time of year. And that comes, in my opinion, an organizational aspect of it. And then finally, uh, I, I would say, one of the things, and it's not just as an athletic administrator, uh, uh, would be just a positive personality, uh, uh, positivity. And that's not just for this position uh, or in, in education. Uh, if, if you are a, a glass half empty guy, you're gonna struggle, uh, especially in situations uh, which can be at times stressful uh, where people are depending on you, especially in leadership which this is, this is a leadership role. And uh, uh, having that glass half full, uh, uh, trying 
trying to say yes instead of trying to say no is, is something that I'm I'm always thinks a real good tool for someone to have. Wow, great great toolbox! I wish I would have had that uh, when I was starting well, out. Oh, well, it's I I don't have it some days, but I try. <laughs> When, when I get my big international packet for one student, it's it's a struggle for me to stay positive, but I find my way through it. So and because I know hopefully I'm going to be able to get this kid ultimately he's going to get to play. So it, it's it's patience, positive, and uh, you know, think at the end of the day, finish it through to impact. Uh, it, what we're here to do is help as many kids as we can. Well, Lyle, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. Uh, continued success uh, as we, um, at least at the time of this recording, getting ready to transfer <laughs> into uh, winter sports. Jake, thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Okay. To our listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in. Remember, the uh, video recording of this is on the FIAAA Educational AD YouTube channel. Uh, come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD.